1: What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast. I'm Justin Michael. I'm here with Andre Simone. It's been a minute. We've had some scheduling wonkiness, but it's good to be back. It's good to dive into all things college football. Really looking forward to it. Uh, Dre's rocking the Avs hat, so we're in the winner's vibes, despite last night's results, I suppose. But uh, how's it going, man?
2: Doing great. Always, always a pleasure to do this with you. Excited to do a little two-parter. So stay tuned for the second part where we get to in more draft stuff. Uh, A little mock draft for you. But yeah,
1: excited
2: to talk some college football, man. You're always on that grind. Jakester's out in LA. It never ends. It's so great. It's been such a fun college football season thus far.
1: It really has. I mean, it's been all over the place in terms of, the results, which is great, it feels like the parity is on a level that we just haven't had in in quite some time. It's at this stage of the year, you know. I feel like there's a, a couple of different teams that have realistic chances to win it all. We'll get into some of that at the end of the end of the pod here, but I think a good place to start is this Heisman race, which at one point felt like it was, you know, Caleb Williams just running away with it. He was destined to repeat. Then Penix, you know, kind of took a hold of it. Obviously, that win over Oregon was huge. huge. But then last week, you know, they really struggle against Arizona State, who's been frisky. Where are you at with this Heisman race? Because now the betting favorite is actually Michigan quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. Is this McCarthy's to lose? It's really so up in the air
2: halfway through the season. I think we forget that the Heisman can kind of play out this way, that really the Heisman is defined by some late moments, late October, November, those big rivalry games. So everything sets up for J.J. McCarthy. Penix looks so bad on Saturday that I don't know that you would say he lost it, but man, he had so much positive momentum. It was kind of shocking to see him play that poorly against such a lowly opponent. I mean, I thought they were going to get upset and they certainly didn't win because of Penix or the offense. Some bad um, red zone interceptions, but he did. He's one of those guys who's had his Heisman moments. You can count the Heisman moments we've had this season on one hand. Um, And so he's still going to be set up to win it. I think Caleb Williams is the guy who truly has lost it. Like, I'm I'm not sure there's any returning from where he and USC have been the last couple weeks. And in some ways, we called them.
1: It's really hard to repeat. I mean, the voters were going to be looking for any reason to go with anybody else anyways. But. Just with the way this has played out, I'm with you. I I have a really hard time seeing Williams get back in this race. The betting favorite or the betting odds obviously match that sentiment. The one thing I will say about Penix is as ugly as that game was, they did escape with the win, which was obviously huge. You're still undefeated. You already have the big win over Oregon, which is huge. You've got that in your back pocket. He still has games against USC, Utah, and Oregon State. I mean, if he carves all three of those teams up, I think it's it's going to be a pretty strong case. But McCarthy is obviously the same deal. He still has to play Ohio State and Penn State. So it feels like, really, it could come down to just a handful of these premier matchups. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Sam Hartman seemed like an intriguing candidate for
2: a second there. Bo Nix might still be in the mix, though this week will be big. Um... And then you've got some interesting candidates and in Jaden Daniels for LSU, who has like the Bama game is going to be the ultimate way to put your stamp on a Heisman moment. Jordan Travis of FSU, Jake Sky, who's had some moments for sure already. And FSU looks set up to have quite the season thus far. And Dylan Gabriel, who played really nice in the uh, Red River rivalry. And, uh, you know, if Oklahoma makes some noise and wins the Big 12, could certainly be set up to be in the mix. I think Drake Mays also probably worked his way out of this with last week's loss. I'm not sure Quinn Hewers is uh, worth considering anymore. Bowers obviously had that big injury. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of the feel. JJ and Penix have everything in front of them right now to do it, but it's also going to be tough to do that consistently kind of feels like a year where you could have someone come out of nowhere, you know?
1: Are you surprised to see Jaden Daniels with the third best odds? I know he's putting up some big numbers. He's had like multiple games in a row with four total touchdowns. I think it's like four or five straight. So he's putting up big numbers, but I don't know, even if they beat Bama, I don't, I guess I just, it has not felt like the year of Jaden Daniels.
2: It definitely hasn't, but that offense has been, I mean, beyond explosive. It's been electric thus far this season, and it's another of those guys who has, uh, you know, has everything in front of him. I didn't expect this from Jaden Daniels, frankly, at all. Um, the, the, the fit in the Brian Kelly offense seemed a little awkward. But he's really making the best of uh, this season. And yeah, statistically, it doesn't surprise me to see him there. But I mean, honestly, I feel like the legitimacy to his true Heisman candidacy is, you know, like where Bo Nix and Quinn Ewers are. Like there's a lot of work for Jaden Daniels to do before he can get where he needs to be. To, I mean, to truly even be considered. I think it really speaks to how open this race is more than
1: anything. It's interesting. I I don't remember a time where it felt, at least in the college football playoff era, where it felt like it really was this wide open at this stage of the year with the Heisman odds, with a lot of these conference races, You know, the teams trying to come out on top, just with trying to get into the playoff. I mean, there's a couple of teams where you could be like, yeah, obviously it would make sense if Georgia was there. But with the ups and downs we've seen from them this year, it like, wouldn't be shocking if they stumbled down the stretch and we ended up without them for the first time in a while. It's, I think it's good for college football because it's been a while since it really has felt top to bottom. Like There are 10, maybe even more teams that are probably going to be in that mix.
2: A thousand percent. We haven't seen this in a long while. And obviously, honestly, the beauty is with this new 12-team playoff format, it's only going to get better like this is going to start to become par for the course. I think the parity from I mean, the you know, the transfers, the the transfer year is really starting to show up early on. And I mean, you know. When you talk dark horses, there are guys like Carson Beck or McCord for Ohio State who could still pop up. What do you think about a Marvin Harrison Jr. candidacy? He obviously came up big. In that Penn State game, I know we've. I like where this. you're taking this. This was what,
1: This was just what I was about to ask you. I was like, because it's so wonky. Yes, I, you really could end up with that dark horse candidate if he hadn't gone down. I I think Brock Bowers would have been the guy to to oh, keep an eye on. Yeah, just because he has the star power. That I mean, obviously, I think just being freakish like a superhero kind of helps in these instances because everyone's just like, look at this dude go. But yeah, I think if we're talking just the best football players in the country, Marvin Harrison Jr. has to be in that conversation, especially, I mean, if they beat Michigan and he goes off, like, I could see his odds skyrocket. A thousand percent. I mean, you know, like, J.J.
2: McCarthy makes sense as being up there, but, I mean, it's just as speculative as saying, Blake Corum could be plus 275 to win the Heisman right now,
1: right? And that team's so solid. It's like, I don't know if JJ's going to get the praise when it's all said and done. Right, exactly. You know, so it has to be done all around. Um, You know, Florida State could have some big
2: games at the end of the season. And instead of Jordan Travis or Keon Coleman doing it, it's actually Trey Benson who goes off. You know, their running back who's had a really nice season.
1: Bucky Irving quietly
2: has already had some sneaky uh Heisman moments in like high profile wins for the Ducks, both against CU and against Washington state. If he were to go off the next couple games, that would be another guy who's really interesting at the running back position. So yeah, it feels wide open right now. Man.
1: I'm trying to think out of the, I mean, statistically, I don't know if like Jonathan Brooks of Texas is going to have quite enough to, to get there. I'm just trying to think of who of those other like long shot. I think Dylan Gabriel might worth be discussing a little bit more, just because he's got that dynamic dual threat ability. Obviously, they already have the the one win over Texas. If they could, if they could beat him again in the Big Twelve Championship, that'd be a pretty strong argument for him. Yeah, um, you know,
2: I think that's where it gets really interesting. We've kind of gotten used to. You know, same old candidates from the big schools, from the big conferences. Obviously, Oklahoma has actually kind of dominated the Heisman recently. But yeah, Gabriel Penix, Jordan Travis, those are all teams that kind of have one hand on their Power Five trophy right now and could really, uh,
1: could really seize on this moment. I'm very openly anti-Boise. In, in my Mountain West circles, I give them the respect they deserve. I just get tired of them. It actually is a shame, though, that they are having a down year because Ashton GNT is doing insane things right now. And if this was like a typical Boise team that won 10-plus games, you know, was in the, the top 25, I think he's a guy that would be getting some some actual love in this race because I haven't seen a running back in football that's been more consistent than him this year. And he's fourth in the country with 868
2: rushing yards. He's been absolutely crazy. Um, another, You know, it's going to be hard, but Penix and Jaden Daniels, one and two in passing yards this season. Malik Neighbors, Daniels' is wide receiver and a top prospect in next year's draft, leads the country in receiving yards. Romo Dunze, who we've been drooling all over and waxing poetic about on this pod, basically every single week, is fifth in the country. Those are other guys who it's kind of like that Blake Corum, JJ McCarthy thing, um, and to some extent Marvin Harrison Jr., where if they were to truly take over some of these high-profile games in November at the end of the season, could also be uh, work their way into the mix. A wide receiver being at least a finalist, and you know uh, we've seen a wide receiver win it more recently than we have a running back with Devonte Smith, that would be really interesting and it's it's very true to this era of football, right?
0: Totally.
1: I mean the when you look obviously outside of the, the Caleb Williams of the world who just are, are freaks, the most dynamic athletes, the most consistent impactful players in modern football they're out on the edge it's the wide receivers it's the de- on the defensive side it's those edge rushers and dbs i mean that's what modern football is all about it makes sense that we're, we're seeing these guys you know be in this in this conversation because frankly these stud athletes make a lot of these quarterbacks look pretty dang good they sure do um and
2: that's part of keon coleman honestly is another guy to consider, you know, with FSU. So it's a lot of these te- top teams have a group of two, three guys who still need to kind of separate from each other. You know, like, again, Bo Nix is here. I would argue Bucky Irving, if you were to give it to an Oregon guy, would be more deserving at this point of the season than Bo. Would.
1: Yeah, I think it, it's just going to be weird because I'm not sure. There's so many talented guys in college football right now, and and all of them you could make a pretty strong case for. Nobody's taken the, this race by the reins, though. You know, like, nobody has grabbed hold of this college football season in a way like Tim Tebow or Cam Newton or somebody did, where, or Joe Burrow, where it just becomes undeniable. Like, this guy, he was the story of that season. Now, we're not to Halloween yet. Maybe, you know, somebody just takes over November, they go on a run through the playoff. I know it's a regular season award, but, you know, maybe they they basically take over in this last month and it becomes you know 23 20 getting all tongue tied here 2023 becomes the the Michael Penix year because we see him you know take down three ranked teams over the last month and he goes off or, or JJ you know Michigan stamps itself as the team this year which I I genuinely do believe Michigan's the best team in the country I know all the the cheating stuff and and everything that's going into that but we'll see what happens there but just the games being played on the field that's the best team i just don't know like who you point to and be like that has been the guy this year because it's just been like a lot of really good right. you know well coached teams with multiple key pieces and it's a loaded field and i think it's a loaded field
2: particularly because this is a year with so much talent at the offensive skill positions you know um And that's where, like, our love for the draft and, like, the players really, you know, we were on top of this coming into the preseason, and it's really bared out. Um, It's it's a big list of candidates, but, yeah, separation has been minimal at this point.
1: I think it's been a validating year, though. I think there are a lot of guys we were high on that have proved us right. And, obviously, there's going to be some misses, especially with preseason predictions, conference winners, that type of stuff. I was dead wrong about Clemson. We'll get into that kind of stuff. You know, I I expected them to rebound, but it, it has been fun to see a lot of these guys live up to it. Like we wanted to see JJ McCarthy take that next step. He's done that. You know, we wanted, I guess Caleb Williams would be the one you could point at and be like, well, he hasn't really lived up to it, but he's been so amazing for so long. Like he was kind of bound to have a, a bad stretch at some point too. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's been a really fun year because all these guys. Are truly living up to it, which is something you, you can't always say. Like, you know, the Bo Nixes of the world, they, they really are legit dudes.
2: Yeah. Um, it's been a great year, man. It's been a great year. There's so much talent. I'm ready to get into these predictions, though.
1: I am too. Uh, before we get into that, I do want to shout out our friends over at Game Time. It shouldn't be stressful buying tickets to your favorite sporting events. With game time, it never is. You can get last minute deals, even an hour after the event starts. If you're running late, you know maybe you, you you drive past the stadium. You think, ah, I already missed it. Hey, if they got seats, they'll sell it to you, and you'll get a killer deal. Go in there, have yourself a great time. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what you get. Um, they don't have any last minute fees. I think that's my favorite thing about Game Time. Ticket purchasing in all areas has become such a nightmare these days. With Game Time, they're upfront. The price, what you see, it's what you get. More things should be like it. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code DNVR, get $20 off your first purchase. Terms to apply again, create that account, redeem DNVR, get $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
2: We are also presented to you by FOCO. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment. You've certainly seen them on our sets. They've uh, they've given us some great bobbleheads, all sorts of incredible merch, T-shirts, you name it. You guys saw the suspenders, some of our people. Bronco suspenders, that is, were rocking a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, Holiday season's coming up. They're the place to go for ornaments, stockings, you name it. They had so much cool stuff from the Nuggets Championship. Um, we do the Rams Pod every Thursday, and I'm always checking out what they've got on that end. Swimsuits, polos, slides, uh, all sorts of varieties. You know, the merch game is a mess. And I'm so glad that there's a company like Foco offering different stuff to us. Use that code DMVR. FOCO always has our back for Colorado sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items.
1: Use the code DMVR for 10% off. Finally, you know we love our Breck brews over at DMVR, and that's because Breckenridge Brewery has a beer for any occasion. They've been doing it for 33 years. It all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. We've got the holiday season coming up. That means it's mini keg season. The Christmas ale will be flowing. You can never go wrong with the Broncos Country Pale Ale. They've got the Nugget Smile High City Lager. Nobody reps Denver and Denver Sports on the beer side harder than Breckenridge Brewery. They truly are the homies. Check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com to find a brew near you. Okay. Like we said, we were going to get into these conference uh winners. We're gonna give our predictions. We're technically just past the midway point, but i mean there's there's still a lot of college football to be played. I feel like now is a good time to, to do it. It's not like doing it you know three weeks from now or oh yeah, great, great job picking you know the s e c winner with one week to go <laughs> or whatever. but um, yeah, I guess just before we give our predictions, I'm curious. Who are some of the teams, you know, you were right about coming in? Who are you wrong on? Obviously, we were both really high on Michigan coming into the year. Uh, I was dead wrong about Clemson. I expected a rebound season. Who are some teams, you know, where just kind of go through the the midway checkpoint?
2: I definitely was wrong about the, um, you know, both Oklahoma and Texas being back. Right now it does seem like they've got a firm handle on the Big 12. I was right about USC having that fall off year that you kind of see um, it almost seems too easy sometimes, you know, the the team with all the expectations and the reigning Heisman doesn't live up to what they've got. I've definitely been right about Michigan and Washington. Those were great calls and I'm struggling to find a little bit, you know, I thought I thought BAM and Ohio State would be a little better at this point. Um and I was I was an LSU skeptic, and they're hanging around and looking like a pretty decent team that's going to be able to compete for the SEC. So I think I was wrong there too.
1: Yeah, I thought that Bama offense would have come together by now. I thought they'd be running the football a little bit more consistently. They've done it in spurts. Um, the defensive line really has come on strong, but I'm I'm right with you there. I, I did think a little more of Bama and Ohio State coming into the year than what we've seen this far uh, i was feeling like north carolina was really gonna exceed my expectations yeah. until the virginia game happened and then i was like all right yeah that's that's you every year it's so
2: early too man i mean it's a sport where one loss swings everything two losses swing everything you know i mean think of the bama season last year and how close those two losses were I mean, it's college football. It's the beauty of it. The margins
1: are the thinnest. So thin. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to it here, down the stretch for some of these teams, including you know Air Force, uh, who I think I was right on San Diego State. I was, I was right about them being bad. But let's get into it. Let's, let's give some of these conference picks. We'll give some playoff picks at the end. National championship projection. Let's start just with the Pac-12. I think that makes sense. It's a conference we focus on a lot. Yeah. It's been probably the best conference in football this year, which, ironic given that it's, it's going away, but hey, go out on top. It's the swan song. I, I, my gut still says Washington is the most complete team in this conference, but Oregon has really made me question that. Who's your Pac-12 winner as of now?
2: Yeah, Oregon has some important culture games, some important tone-setting games. They, they, thus far, they've shown they can be the more physical team against these kind of more finesse-oriented squads, which is a big change for what Oregon has been over these last 30 years of Oregon Duck football ascension. They've always been the kind of flashy, finesse team. Now that identity has changed, How, though, they can play against those teams that have been doing that for a little while longer, Utah especially, Oregon State. Um, And then, I mean, they still have some tough games in conference against some of those more finesse-oriented teams is going to be a real kind of way to barometer test right now. I'm all in on Washington. Um, I think they really dodged a huge bullet. And with that win against the Ducks, I think they can probably afford one more loss right now
1: and still get it. Me too. They're they're in a really good spot, especially with USC already picking up that second loss. Utah might be the team to keep an eye on that could certainly throw a wrench in this whole thing. They just continue to do their thing despite... Not getting Cam Rising and hopefully he comes back in the future. But it seems announced he's out for the season. So don't expect that from Cam Rising. That's another big thing. no. I mean, like next year. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's not coming back this season. Um, it's pretty amazing what Utah's been able to do given the circumstances. Basically, played with a third string quarterback this entire season and barely skipped a beat. No kidding. I mean,
2: prediction wise, J Mike, my question to you is what's the better bet? Washington to win the Pac-12 at plus one forty, or Washington to make the playoffs at plus one twenty-five.
0: Why not take the juice, right? If they win the Pac-12,
1: they're going to go to the playoff. They're in. You would think. You would think, especially barring like things getting really wonky, like maybe unless they all had multiple losses over the next month and things got really weird. But
2: I think those are the best odds here too. I think that's the better, the better play because they could still win the Pac-12 with like two losses, you know, if things went a certain way, and you still got more juice even if they didn't
1: make the playoffs. Yeah, that's to me, that's a no-brainer. Boom, there you go. It's decided. It is decided. Uh, keeping it moving. I guess we'll we'll go to the second best conference in college football this year. The SEC. I still think it's the second best. Uh last I was <laughs> gonna say Mountain Best, of course. Um, no, I think
0: 10 might have an argument.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I it's it's pretty close. It really two through four are pretty much all all together this year. The the Pac 12, though, man, been on another level. Shout out to the Pac 12. Yeah, agreed. I'm I'm gonna get a little I'm gonna say Bama. I'm gonna say they're gonna win the SEC.
2: That's the way I'm leaning as well. Um, you gotta love what you're seeing from Saban turning this around. Um, he's like full blown. This is like Toledo Nick Saban, you know, yeah. like he's he's gone full Tom Izzo, Mark D'Antonio on us, like nobody believes in us. He got that loss out the way real early against Texas, and it's not always been pretty but he's handling, you know, he's handling these finesse teams in the SEC, the Tennessee's, the Ole Miss, spanking them real good.
1: Offensively, are they multiple enough to do it, right? That's the big concern, especially Jay I love what Milroe brings to the table in terms of getting, you know, to the edge and I really think he opens things up, up in a way that the other quarterbacks can't. He's so limited as an intermediate passer though. Yeah. That you worry if you have a, a game where the ground game is is struggling, is he going to be able to make you know those it's third and twelve and you got to make that throw you know up the seam is he going to be able to do that in a big moment? I have some hesitancy, but I think the defensive line has really come to life down the stretch. Um, that front seven as a whole is playing well. The secondary has stepped up. I like where this team's at. I just think they're tough. They're going to be one of those grinded out, ugly type game or ugly wins type football team with just like a little bit better offense than an Iowa or something. It's not quite that level, but it is inconsistent and you worry about it. I just, I have not seen the same type of consistency from Georgia offensively to make me feel comfortable with them surviving this gauntlet or with them surviving you know running the table and considering their schedule isn't the most impressive like I don't think they're going to be able to get into the playoff with one loss I just think Bama punches them in the mouth and it kind of feels like that classic you gave up on Nick Saban even I admitted you know after Texas I was like they don't have it in the trenches anymore yes they do they're fine roll tide
2: How's it break down, j Mike? And I agree. Like Georgia at minus one forty is not the best odds, though the SEC East is pretty weak.
1: They're um, getting to the title game. It's just right.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's. I mean, it's crazy to see Missouri as the thir- third shortest odds to win the SEC, but in the East, you know, they have one one loss in conference. Like they they could potentially do that. How's it shake out though in the SEC West? If LSU beats Bama and they both have one loss in conference and Bama beat Ole Miss, who beat
1: LSU. LSU. I was gonna say then things get really then it's and you start getting into tiebreakers and seeing who who can survive because everybody's gonna have the head to head over each other. Yeah, and I mean Ole Miss quietly ranked twelfth in the country with just one loss
2: in conference as well. And that offense is firing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean they put 55 on LSU. Yeah.
0: Um
2: interesting. Inter- I mean
1: odds I don't think it can be anybody
2: else other than those three. Yeah. Is a nice sprinkle.
1: Oh yeah, it's worth teasing.
2: LSU also feels intriguing, but no gun to my head, I'm with you. I
1: I think it's Bama's I think Bama's doing it. I just think they figured it out. I think they figured out how to win with this team. It's not going to be exciting and like people are going to tune into this bama team and they're going to be like really like oh. are, are we sure that they they can keep up with these other teams and then very quietly they're going to be 12 and 1 with an sec championship and upset one of these teams that scores 50 points a game just because it's what saban does they're like a harbaugh michigan team man i mean it's but they've gone back to their roots to an extent like I, I think that long-term Saban still understands like they've got to improve the quarterback position. And you could see that with the decision-making early on in the year. They realized it is what it is this year. Like this is as good as it's going to get. So we're going to roll with the best athlete. We're going to lean into it. But I mean, they're shortening, like they're they're running clock. They're doing the little things. And that's that's where I, I love a Saban coach team in this spot.
2: thousand percent, man. I'm with you. Um, I don't even see odds for the ACC.
1: They might not even be. I'm glad they didn't have them last time Florida I checked either. States,
2: yeah, I mean. lose, basically.
1: Um, Big Ten,
2: yeah, I mean, we're so high on Michigan, it's barely worth discussing. But Michigan, plus 225 to win the Natty. I'd say it's time to get in on that now if you haven't already. Yeah, I mean if if you like Michigan those odds are only going
0: to get shorter. Yeah, exactly. Big 12, who you like? Oh man. The Big
2: 12. I still would love to see K-State come through. It wouldn't be impossible, but it's it's an uphill battle. I mean, the thing about the Big 12 is you have five teams all with one loss or less. And Oklahoma's the only undefeated one in conference. So it's wide open right now. This race completely needs to be um, defined. K-State's just been playing around too much at quarterback. Um, and you know what? While they lost the rivalry game, I do think Texas like, is back talent-wise. Um, I honestly think it's... It's more of a can can Quinn Hewers be like consistent enough in this stretch to get it done, but they
1: just have a gear these other teams don't have. I put Texas in my notes. Obviously, you're worried about Ewers' health situation. You gotta see what happens with the the UC joint or whatever. That's that's very alarming. I'm with you though. I just think Texas has the most top-end talent in the league. And I know that Oklahoma kicked their ass in the trenches that day, but that's classic rivalry game stuff. That that was exactly like when I was talking about CSUCU going into the Rocky Mountain Showdown and everyone's like the history and this and the 20-point spread. It does not matter. It's a rivalry game. It's going to be physical. It's going to be intense. And Oklahoma brought the fight. Oklahoma, to their credit, have been much more consistent on the offensive end than I... Than I expected. They've established that run game. Gabriel's tough as hell. Can they beat Texas a second time if they played? If Texas is healthy and rolling? That's a great I, I, I'm just going uh, with the Longhorns. It's a great
2: added factor in all that is, can they win a second time?
1: It's tough, man. I'll, I'll tell you what, as somebody, like, like if CSU, for instance, had beaten CU in that Rocky Mountain showdown, you would know. Like you would know. Like hey, they've got some athletes over there, and you know, know what today we punched them in the mouth and we established our will. But uh, we don't want to see those guys again. Like it, I just, I have a hard time seeing Oklahoma sweep Texas this year. The great
2: point. Though a lot depends on viewers' health as well as you mentioned. This is
1: the one that I would not bet on personally. Oh, stay away. The Big 12s, it's, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Kansas won this weekend and threw a wrench in this entire thing.
0: Mm-hmm. I really
1: like Kansas at plus 4,500. They've had injuries at
2: quarterback, though. You know, like, it's uh, it's tough to feel great about any one of these picks.
1: It's, I mean, it's the, been the theme of the show, right? It's wide open this year. Yeah. It, it You know, that it, it really is. There's this much parity. You've got multiple teams in most of these leagues that you could really realistically see making a run. And as much as you like all of, their, all of these teams, there's just as many reasons to doubt them. Like Texas, when they have hit their best gear, have looked like as good as anybody in the country. Problem is they've only done it like two times this whole season. Yep. Georgia, same deal. Like you've seen the moments where they turn it on. They really have kind of just played with their food. I mean, Michigan's the team I feel like has been the most consistent. Problem is they haven't played anybody. So it's just, I mean, it's a weird, weird spot. No, it's a great
0: field. Who do you have in the playoffs? Oh, all right.
1: Bama, because they won the SEC. Uh-huh. But it's a one-bid SEC. Yeah. Georgia does not get the benefit of the doubt after the schedule they played this year. Yeah. I guess I would have Texas coming out of the Big 12 because I have them winning it. And I think that win over Bama is obviously... Huge for them with any at large consideration. I have Washington coming out of the Pac 12 as the Pac 12 winner. Mm-hmm. That fourth team is where do I have is it the Michigan yet? Did I not say I thought I already said Michigan? You're at Bama, Texas. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, Michigan, Washington. Those that's my four teams. That's your four.
2: Wow. You surprised me with Texas. I didn't expect that. Um, In order, I'd have Michigan, Washington as the two seed, coming out of the strongest conference. Bama as the four seed, FSU as the three seed. The ACC, I think they can run the table. I think they're good enough. They're Texas with an easier path and like almost just as good a win on their resume with the LSU win. And they don't have that L yet. That Texas.
1: No, you're right. Florida State's path is definitely easier than Texas's. That LSU win's huge because it didn't. It didn't feel like that great of a win for a couple of weeks when LSU was down. But now that LSU's got it rolling again, it feels a lot better. Yeah, you're right. I I think that's probably a better a better bet. The Big Twelve, as fun as they are, if Oklahoma can't run the table, if OU runs the table and Florida State runs the table. Who do you like out of those two? Two wins over Texas?
0: Uh, that'd be a
2: tough one. That'd be a tough one. That would be a lot of politicking. I think at face value, I would give it to FSU, though. I think they would have like ran these just as tough or almost as tough a conference schedule, and they have the advantage of that LSU one that one would be a massive separating.
1: Yeah, you've talked to me out of Texas at this point. Now I'm just trying to think of who else could potentially potentially throw a wrench in this. Obviously, I mean, Ohio State's not going to get in unless... The only way we're getting two Big Ten teams in is if Ohio State upsets Michigan in the regular season. Even No, then we still couldn't yeah, do it because there's... there's
2: as ugly as it's been for Georgia, if they just ugly it up with that easy schedule of theirs, or, I mean, pretty easy, you know? Like, we, we really are at where they they have... They're two. not going to have a ranked win in the regular season. Potentially, they have two remaining on the schedule. Here, let me pull that up real quick. They would have... Actually, yeah. Missouri, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. Who are all currently ranked after the Florida game. So November could be a little daunting, but Georgia still plays Ole Miss this year. Yeah. They host them at home. Uh both both Mizzou and Ole Miss are home games. They do go to Tennessee, which I think that's the easiest of the two. Um agreed. If if they ugly it up, and you know they've got Florida on the schedule too, is five and two. And, I I mean, Kentucky was ranked when they blew them.
1: Yeah, that's probably the only path to... It's funny, for all we've talked about, the SEC being down this year, the SEC is probably the only league that realistically could get two teams in this year.
2: Georgia and Ohio State kind of have the same argument. As ugly as it's looked at times. I mean, Ohio State even more so than Georgia, because they already, I mean... They already have two quality wins against Penn State and Notre Dame. Those are massive dubs. So, I mean, you really you just need to manage to not lose to Michigan, and it's all there. But if you lost to Michigan and you're a one loss team that sat out the Big Ten championship, still gonna have a strong case. And if Georgia's undefeated and loses to Bama and the SEC title, they're gonna have a strong case too. Probably stronger just, than Oklahoma. Who would they get in? O- who
1: could they get in over? Yeah, they would definitely get in over Texas. That's just that was just a bad pick now. <laughs> Florida State. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to I just I, I really want it to be four conferences represented. That's my hope this year.
2: Yeah, that'd be really nice. That'd be really nice. But you know, we might be counting out Georgia and Ohio State a little too soon. Is Michigan
1: your national championship pick? Yeah. Mine as well. Shout out to everybody for tuning in to this draft pod. We will be back with more content. We actually have a second parter coming up. So by the time you've listened to this, that'll be in your feed as well. Check that out. We're going to give our week nine picks, do a little mock draft, talk some Denver Broncos action. And I promise you, we will get back to a more regular schedule here over the coming weeks. Got a lot going on, though busy guys. Shout out to all you. Much love, y'all. Stay warm this weekend. Peace.